going on, everybody? Welcome to Trail Tales. My name is Kyle O'Grady. I am a thru-hiker, I am a peak bagger, and on this podcast every single week, I chat with another thru-hiker or another peak bagger or another hiking nerd like myself about their experiences on the trail. If you are a hiking nerd and you have not done so already, please subscribe to the show, maybe check out some old episodes, and if you tune in every single week, Welcome back, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Speaking of this episode, because that's what this is, that made no sense, but it doesn't matter because Matt Morelli is on the show this week. Matt is a thru-hiker. He hiked the Appalachian Trail. He's done a bunch of other stuff as well, and he's also a really, really good photographer, and that's kind of what we talk about for the most part in this episode, I'm trying to get better at photography. If you haven't followed Trail Tales on Instagram, it's at Trail Tales Pod, as we're going to get into in just a minute. But no, he's a great photographer, and I wanted to have him on so that I could hopefully step up my trail photography game a little bit. So if you're someone who's into cameras, you're into taking photos, you're definitely going to like this one. If you aren't, if you're, if you don't really care about that stuff, I still think you're going to enjoy it. We do get a little bit technical for part of the episode, but most of it is more general and we do talk about photography, not just with big expensive cameras, but with smartphones and all that stuff. So I think pretty much everyone's going to enjoy it. Matt, when you hear this man, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to do another one soon because we didn't get to everything that I wanted to talk about in this episode, but it was freaking great. If you haven't done so already, make sure you go check out Trail Tales Pod. This new website that I built, all the information about the show is on there, all the previous episodes, trailtalespod.com, go check that out. I'm also also on Instagram, as I said a minute ago, at trailtalespod, go follow the show on Instagram, I post a ton on there, I have way too much fun with it, and by that I mean I spend way too much time on Instagram. Facebook is a thing as well. Go look up the show on Facebook. I always forget to plug the Facebook, but it does exist, and I do post on it every now and then. So go, yeah, go look up Trail Tales on Facebook. Go toss a like there. As always, email is a thing as well. TrailTalesPod at gmail.com. Send me some advice. Send me some feedback, some guest suggestions. This also goes for facebook message or instagram dm as well but if you do that if you send me a message and you want a couple trail tail stickers also toss me your address and i will send those out i love sending out the stickers because then i don't feel kind of like a jerk with a bunch of stickers from my own podcast sitting in my bedroom so yeah if you want a sticker that's how you can do that we're gonna get into the episode in just a second if you couldn't tell i'm trying to keep this introduction pretty short. I'm going to cut down the time on these introductions as I ramble on about the introduction time. Let's do a couple iTunes reviews real quick here before we get into it. I'm way behind on these. I'm not going to get to all of them now, but I'm going to try to knock out a couple here very quickly. Okay, so this one says, Rad Podcast. I'm more of a camper just getting into more hiking and backpacking. I dig the podcast. Good information and also has some awesome folks on here. Keep smashing. (laughs) Yes, I will keep smashing. This one says, sing it. I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here's my handle, here's my spout. When I get all steamed up, hear me shout, tip me over and pour me out. I'm a very special teapot, yes it's true. Here's an example of what I can do. I can turn my handle into a spout, tip me over and pour me out. Now, whoever wrote this, you were probably expecting me to sing it instead of read it. I never promised to sing any of these reviews. I only promised to read them. So you are kind of shit out of luck. This last review I'm going to read right now says, Great hiking podcast. I'm just a section hiker of the AT, but I love listening to podcasts about hiking when I'm not actually hiking. Trail Tales is one of the good ones. Great stories, great info, and a compelling host. Oh my god, that is just awesome. Not to mention the audio quality is better than most of the hiking podcasts out there. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much to Eric Tomorrow, who wrote that, host of The Mediocre Show. Everyone should go check that out. Um, yeah, I, I'm i glad you like the audio quality. Let's get into the episode, everybody. Also, go check out the Patreon. Please, 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 link in the show notes. Let's go get into the episode number 46 with Matt Morelli, Appalachian Trail hiker and photographer. 
Matthew Morelli. What's going on, man? What's good? <laughs> Not much. Just trying to live life to the fullest. How you doing? That's good. That's that's a great way to start out this conversation. Live life to the fullest. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for taking the time today. I am Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, dude, no problem. It's kind of funny. Uh, I, I guess I'll tell the the quick story of how I like found you as a, as a guest. A lot of my guests, oh, there goes my phone, perfect timing. A lot of my guests lately have been people that are suggested to me by my listeners, which is awesome. Thank you, everybody, very much. But every now and then I'll have somebody on that I just kind of like randomly, randomly stumble across on like Instagram or social media. And that's kind of how I found you, dude. Like, I'm I'm on Instagram way too much. I mean, I use it to, like, kind of promote the show and everything, but I also just like to post pictures on the Trail Tales account and all that stuff. So I was just kind of scrolling through the hashtags like I do every freaking day, and I stumbled upon your account, and I'm, like, trying to get into photography. So for everybody listening, Matt is a really, really good photographer, and that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. And yeah, I, I just stumbled across your Instagram and I was like, I want to take pictures like that. Like, that's kind of what I want to work towards um, as a hiking, aspiring photographer. So I was like, what better way to learn about this stuff than to just invite him on the podcast and kind of chat about it. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's going to be fun, dude. Like what's first of all, what's going on? Like everybody, everybody listening, Matt is in college right now and he's giving me his precious studying time to chat about through hiking and photography which is super cool what are you what are you studying for today dude well uh i guess it's super applicable but uh photojournalism is actually the uh the area that i ended up deciding i wanted to study uh it was business going into backpacking and then i got out there i'm like i just want to take pictures i want to write about people yeah dude where do you where do you go to school yeah, I go to the University of Georgia. Uh, they have the Grady College of Journalism and Mass, Mass Communications, which is really awesome. It's one of the best in the nation. Um, I just kind of stumbled into it by accident. <laughs> but they help, they have like a, the Peabody Awards and stuff here. And it's a really exciting place to go to school. But unfortunately, it's, you know, it's not in the mountains. So <laughs> I was going to say where, okay, I'm just going to take a, I feel like I've heard that the University of Georgia is in Athens, is that correct, or did I just butcher that? Absolutely correct. Yes, nailed it, man. I don't know anything about the yeah. University of Georgia. I don't know anything about Athens, Georgia. I could not tell you where in the state it is, but for some reason that sounded right. So I'm kind of proud of myself for that. <laughs> yeah, dude. Thanks for thanks for taking the time. Uh, I feel like if you're if it's photojournalism, you don't even need to study anyways because your pictures are are hell sick. So you'll be fine. Trust me. Um, <laughs> dude, I appreciate that. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess we'll find out how uh, how your test goes afterwards or, or whatever you're yeah. studying for. But um, yeah, dude. So we've established that you're a sweet photographer. We've established that you do a little bit of hiking, or a little bit is a is an is an understatement. Um, but why don't you just uh, tell the good people, you know, who you are? Maybe elaborate a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm from a suburb just north of Atlanta, probably like the most safe place on the face of the earth <laughs> like it's just kind of like it I feel like growing up in a bubble a little bit and uh i ended up going to college initially just about 30 miles from my house and uh it just kind of always felt like there was going to be something more out there and uh i dropped out of college but then it dropped out. i took a break from <laughs> quotation marks around it um and went and hiked the at in 2017 i went nobo and uh caught the bug big time. I got pretty addicted to backpacking. Um, right after I got off the AT though, I uh, went and bought a van and traveled the country out of my van for about uh, about a year. Um, and then linked up with some friends of mine that were uh, pioneering a new trail called the Greater Yellowstone Traverse. And I got a chance to do that. That's when I really kind of decided that journalism was going to be the right move for me and photojournalism specifically, because that was just a mind bending adventure. Yeah, man. Um, then, yeah, ever since I've been very much so in the backpacking community, trying to you know get a hold wherever I can. And I love it as much as anything else I've yeah, dude. done in my entire life. That's awesome. A lot, a lot of the time in these, these uh, beginning segments of the, of the show, 
I'll try to like dig in a little bit about how people like actually found out about through hiking. Now, I'm guessing if you grew up north of Atlanta, just the area that you grew up in probably had something to do with it. But why don't you just talk a little bit about, you know, how you just discovered what through hiking or the Appalachian Trail was in the first place. And then, you know, what made you actually like want to go hike for X amount of months or whatever? Because like a lot of people know about the Appalachian Trail. A lot of people know about through hiking, but not that many people actually like set their mind to completing or even attempting to complete the trail, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I, my dad is a big influence on a lot of things I've done. Uh, he's always pushed me to like get out there and do stuff. I mean, when I was just a couple months old, he had me, you know, in a diaper sitting in a Creek in North Georgia and (laughs) it started out really young. And I went on my first backpacking trip and I was like, 12 and I carried about 50 pounds and I hated it. <laughs> uh, it was a terrible trip. I, the backpack weighed about half as much as I did. Uh, <laughs> Does then, anybody ever have fun on their first backpacking trip though? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I certainly didn't. Mine was fucking terrible. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was 18. I did a, a senior trip with a couple of my buddies and we went out to Olympic National Park. And we did about 100 miles out there in between a long beach walk. And then we tried to go up and get as close to the top of Mount Olympus as possible. And that really, that was the trip that really changed my mind about backpacking. Okay. The stuff you're able to see that, you know, not many people else can. Um, but yeah, no, growing up in North Georgia, you know, all of our history books, social study books, they all had, you know, at least a page on the Appalachian Trail and how it starts in Georgia. And, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Always been a pride you're, from, you're from Georgia, but you just pronounced it Appalachian. Isn't it supposed to be Appalachian or whatever? <laughs> is that is that yeah, douchey? Right, so my dad's a Yankee, so. <laughs> oh, okay. But okay. dad's a Yankee. I'm only half Southerner. I was going to say, yeah. I, I didn't really hear the uh, the accent too much either. So sorry, sorry. I totally just uh, wrecked your train of thought there, but I had to, I had to say something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've had people think that I'm from the Midwest or that I'm from, uh, I've even gotten California a couple of times, but very rarely do I get the South. Um, but yeah, no, so. Appalachian Trail <laughs> is, you know, not too far from my backyard. Yeah. There was actually, it was my freshman year, uh, Thanksgiving break. I just kind of wanted to spend a day alone. Uh, so I just wanted to drive around North Georgia and get kind of lost on some of the dirt roads up there. And I got lost. And then I found out where I was. And I realized I was like right next to Springer Mountain parking lot. So went ahead and just parked there. And I did the, you know, the one mile up to the top. And, you know, just expecting to have lunch, you know, nothing big. And about two minutes after I get to the top, a group of Sobo hikers come through and they finish up their trail. You know, everyone's you know, super excited, giving high fives. Yeah, it's man. Great, great achievement. It's just a great moment for these people. And I was just like, I was the only person there. So I was like, guys, this is awesome. Like, I'm so jealous of you guys. Like, I would love to do something like this or shaking people's hands and, you know, it was just like kind of a cool moment for me that I knew I wasn't going to really forget. But then this little girl comes up to me, sticks out her hand. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, she's here to like visit her dad or her mom or big brother or sister or whoever just finished the, the AT. But I just go ahead and say like, oh, did you, th- did you hike too? She goes, yeah. Oh, no go, way. How old are you? And she goes, 11. Damn. Went, oh, I'm such a pussy. Oh. <laughs> and I decided, like, as soon as she told me, like, she was 11 that she had through hiked, I was like, okay, next spring, here I come. Dude, that's um, crazy. Actually, I ended up having to wait a year in a spring. Yeah. It was, like, literally in that moment. I wish I could find that girl and just be like, you are the reason why I am the person I am today. I mean, I feel like you could probably track her down. Like, how many 11 year olds have hiked the AT? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I found her in uh, Odie's. Uh, yeah, hiker yearbook. Okay, so cool. I'm pretty sure I found her, but yeah, I should probably reach out at some point. And be like, did I meet you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> did you like accidentally inspire? Like, that's so funny. Like, an eleven-year-old girl inspiring like you to through hike. That's that's freaking awesome, dude. Yeah, I pretty much got no balls into it. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I, I so. think that's I think that's an awesome story though. I maybe I feel like this probably hasn't happened yet. Maybe, maybe one of the early episodes, and I'm just forgetting. So, if anybody. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure this hasn't happened. Um, having somebody say that watching people at the end of their through hike, watching people finish their through hike, having inspired them to like go and do their own through hike, that is certainly unique. You know, a lot of people are like me, 
they kind of learned about it through like YouTubers, social media or whatever, um, or, you know, were exposed to it at a young age, like through family member or whatever. But like the fact that you were actually able to watch people finish their through hikes, especially that like young girl too, like that's definitely a pretty unique, uh, introduction to, to through hiking, I guess, and introduction to the Appalachian trail. So I don't know, dude. So, so you would say that if that experience hadn't happened, that you wouldn't have through hiked? I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth there, but I should have phrased that as a question. I think you know what I'm going for there. No, those words are the words that would have come right out of my mouth, honestly. Yeah, that honestly was... I, I was probably going to end up taking a break from college one way or another, but as far as through hiking goes, it was certainly that 11-year-old girl. Yeah, <laughs> she's the one who kind of got me to go, okay, I can do this. I'm like, you know, 19, prime of my life. Like, I got this. Yeah, and of course, it was way harder than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. 19, that's um, that's fairly young to be doing a through hike. Um, I mean, I mean, lots of... Yeah, I ended, up, I ended up hiking when I was 20. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. But I mean, even even then, like being being below the drinking age isn't like the most common age i guess that being said i feel like the most common age is like slightly above that so you're not that far off but i don't know i I didn't meet that many people that were like younger than me i was 22 last year when i threw hiked and like i said yeah i I didn't meet that many people that were younger than me a couple but not the majority i don't know how was your uh, did that influence your experience at all now that i'm now that i'm saying this out loud i feel like it's really not that far off so i don't know can you just talk about that a little bit yeah, no, it absolutely uh, affected the experience. But, uh, you know, I had a fake ID from New Jersey. So really the only <laughs> states that I couldn't use it were going to be Pennsylvania near the border in New York and New Jersey. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it really didn't affect me that much. But it was just a different, you know, it, it's just one more thing to add on. And then uh, when we were going through Pennsylvania at Port Clinton, uh, one of the guys I was hiking with, his uh he's got see his grandfather's friend came and picked us up from the trail and took like the entire trail family into Pottsville uh which is where Yingling is brewed my favorite and beer so we got a full tour yeah it's amazing we got a full tour of you know the Yingling facility and the cave and everything like that and at the end of it they go all right if you show us your ID you can have you know like a free glass of beer and if you're under 21 you can have root beer and I was like <laughs> oh you guys are assholes <laughs> yeah and then the fun part was immediately after that, the guy, uh, my trail family's grandfather's friend, the guy who picked us up, he was actually like lifelong friends with Dick Yingling, the guy who owns oh, Yingling. interesting. So we got a chance to actually sit down and talk with him. And he, he gave us a good five, 10 minutes of his time. And it was kind of a cool experience to talk to a man worth $2 billion. Yeah, I bet. And, yeah, <laughs> I was like... I'm sitting here at like 20 years old. Like your beer is my favorite beer. Dude, it's my favorite. It's my yeah. favorite too. And it, it yeah, sucks. It Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. It's just kind of a fun experience, like all the way around. And he was a great guy. He was a great host. And so it, it was just kind of a fun experience. Yeah, man. The entire way. I, I love Pennsylvania, honestly. Interesting. Yeah, that's 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 a controversial comment right there. But, uh, dude, I, I remember when I was going through that area on my through hike in the AWOL guide, actually, you know how it like lists out the businesses and the hostels and you know all the, the, the town resources along the trail mm-hmm. well, well it actually listed out the yingling brewery like in the freaking awol guidebook which i thought was hilarious mm-hmm. and i wish i could have gone because yingling is my favorite it's my favorite like cheap beer i guess and it sucks because i live in burlington vermont which i don't know if you like uh like craft beer and all that stuff but um burlington is like it's like I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna declare it like the unofficial like capital for like craft breweries and, and and things like that. Like it's absolutely huge here, and like I got all these all these beers to choose from. Like so many options. Like I'm I'm drinking this one from Zero Gravity right now, but my favorite beer, my favorite cheap beer, Yingling, is not sold in Vermont. Oh. So I'm just like. I, I I don't even I feel like I'm I'm so spoiled but I still can't appreciate it because it's like the one beer I really want I can't get here which kind of sucks so Yingling if you're listening get on it that would that would be awesome get up to Vermont but <laughs> <laughs> anyways dude let's um let's talk about photography a little bit so not a little bit for probably for the rest of the episode um so yeah usually I ask that question about how my guest got into through hiking 
I kind of want to extend that to how you got into photography. So I'm kind of curious to hear about that. I'm assuming it came before you got into through hiking or like, I don't know. Can you talk about how you got into photography? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so actually at first, when I, well, at first, when I was saying I was really young, like pre-K and kindergarten, I was obsessed with drawing like uh, mountain scenes and animals and I was really bad at it, but I just decided that's what I wanted to do was like draw nature. <laughs> and then after I was about, you know, like third grade, I was like, you're really bad at drawing, dude. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you can't do this. And that's when I found out about, yeah, that's when I found out about photography and, you know, I started playing with it a bunch more. And my parents had this little uh, Canon point and shoot from, you know, this is probably a 2002 little digital camera. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, I started playing around with that a lot just in my backyard, and I decided when I was 12 that I wanted to get a DSLR and, like, you know, actually have some fun with it. So I told my parents that's what I wanted for Christmas, and like, yeah, sure. And then we went, and we looked at them. They are like, oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the one that I wanted was a Nikon D60 with, like, the kit lens and everything like that. Yeah, so it ended up being, I think, close to, like, 600 bucks for it. And my parents, you know, they're like, there's no way that's going to happen. It's a lot of money to give a 12-year-old for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, a, um, lot of, a lot of responsibility, too. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Christmas comes around, and, you know, I open all my presents. I didn't get it. You know, I kind of expected it. I I've I, I been saving up my money for a while to try to figure out what I could do. And then my parents go, there's one more present. And they had, like, a whole scavenger hunt for me. And I finally found it. And I found this package and it was the exact thing that I wanted. And I just broke down in tears and nice. then my mom starts crying. <laughs> also that everyone's crying on Christmas morning. And yeah, it was, it was great. Cause like my grandparents pitched in a bunch of money. My mom, dad pitched in a bunch of money, but the best thing that about it is the fact that they still made me pay half. <laughs> they were like whatever money you, you saved up for this, you still have to pay. And I was like, deal. Cause I saved, I don't know, 250 out of the 600. Yeah, yeah. So it was a good deal for me. And and it, I'm sure it warmed their hearts a bit. But yeah, so then after that, I took off down photography. Um, started doing a whole lot more. And then, you know, went through a series of Nikon crop sensors through the years. And uh, I don't know. I, I Honestly, I didn't take the photography seriously for a long time. I just kind of didn't really see it as much of a uh, an opportunity for... Just kind of mess around, huh? Yeah, it was more of a hobby, you know, a way to... Is, uh, I have a very artistic mind. My body isn't very artistic, though, so I can't draw, I can't sing, I can't you know play music at all. So photography is my my outlet for that. So that's kind of how it always was in my mind. I don't know. When I was on the AT, I didn't bring a camera with me, which is probably one of my wait, biggest regrets ever. Wait, are you serious? Yeah, because I was like, I don't want to carry the weight. This isn't worth it. So about, I got to like, vermont and i was like you're an idiot (laughs) but i I was honestly i was so wrapped up and just trying to hike that i don't think i would have gotten much out of it bringing a camera dude that's that's actually so true because like yeah i've I've been doing these hikes the last um like couple weeks where like for the first time in like pretty much my whole like hiking life like since i started backpacking i've been doing these trips where i just go to like take pictures and like i'm not like crushing miles and and doing like super aggressive shit and while i also regret not bringing a camera on my through hike although to be fair at the time i didn't even know how to use a camera anyway i still (laughs) don't know that well but like especially back then i didn't know but uh i I do wish i'd had it um it would be hard though to like actually like take a lot of like good pictures and still you know like do a through hike and, and and like crush miles and do all that stuff that being said some people definitely do that, so it is possible. It just would add like a whole nother like a dynamic to the hike, I guess. So I don't know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was on the AT and I was just taking pictures of my Samsung, which has a very nice camera for a phone. You know, obviously not a DSLR level, but I started getting you know reposted by like the Trek and uh, just like a few other like companies and you know outlets. So I started seeing like oh you know, there's actually some opportunity in this. Mm-hmm. And so when I got off the trail, I was like, all right, I'm going to take photography seriously for the next six months. Because I t- <laughs> I got less than 500 miles into the trail, and I said I was going to take a whole other year off school instead of just one semester. <laughs> so I got the van, and I got, 
you know, some, I upgraded some of my photography gear, you know, switched it out a bit. And I just started traveling around the U.S. and exclusively focusing on photography and seeing what I could do. And I was heading to all these great places. And it really opened my eyes as to, well, first off, as to what is being offered out West compared to the East Coast. And it's it's a whole different world. And then also what I could do with, you know, my photography. And yeah, man. I started seeing a lot more opportunities open up once I actually, like, once I actually started trying and, you know, focusing on trying to make, you know, art, like, honestly, got art. And it, it's been kind of ever since then, I've been just chasing that. And then I guess it culminated with yeah, it culminated with GYT, uh, the Greater Yellowstone Traverse. Yeah, man, I want to I want to ask you about that in just a second. So um, so one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you on and I, I might have mentioned this at the beginning of the episode. I can't even freaking remember now, but um, I definitely mentioned it to you offline when we were chatting earlier or off recording and. Yeah, so one of the reasons why I was super stoked about this is because I've been like trying to get into photography this like summer basically. I started in like June. I don't really hike very much during the winter, so like this year specifically, this like season, I guess. And it's honestly like been like refreshing. Like I I guess that's kind of a weird way to put it, but mm-hmm. it's added I just said this a few minutes ago too about the through hiking thing, but it's added a whole another dynamic to my hiking which I think is so awesome because I'm not going to say I was burnt out on hiking, but before this year I had done at least 3,000 miles in my life, and all of those were without an actual camera. Obviously, I had my phone, and I still took some pictures and stuff, but all of those were without trying to like take good pictures, I guess. And bringing this camera has basically like opened my eyes into like a whole nother like side of backpacking this whole other side that i never experienced before and it's kind of like rejuvenated the whole like idea of like hiking and backpacking for me so i do want to put some scenarios out there for you or one in particular that definitely applies to my style of hiking and i want to hear like what you would bring as far as a camera and lenses and all that stuff so is that cool can i like lay out a scenario for you right now and and have you just tell me what you would bring so yeah absolutely so let's say you're doing a hike in the northeast so or or even just the east for that matter a forested area um anywhere on the at would, would apply i guess Let's say it's like a three to four day hike. So it's not a through hike, but you're still out there for a couple days and weight is definitely a concern. And let's say you're going with like one or two other people. So you're not only going to want to take photos of the trail, landscape photos, but you're also going to want to factor in some portrait shots as well. What would you take as far as a camera and lens or lenses, I guess? Uh, so... <laughs> See, that's an interesting one because, um, you know, everyone has their limits as to what they're willing to carry for camera gear. You know, there's some people that only carry the Sony, you know, A6000, which is a phenomenal camera. But, you know, it's small, it's lightweight, it's compact, it's exactly what, you know, ultralight people are looking for. I, on the other hand, I'm going to the point where I want to go for, you know, kind of as high of quality as possible. So mm-hmm. this past summer, actually, I upgraded to a Nikon Z6, which is Nikon's mirrorless. Um, and I found that that is honestly probably the best option for East coast hiking. Really? The reason for that being is that mirrorless do a really, really good job at picking up more light in a, a higher ISO without like, you know, so, uh, w- w- what are you shooting with right now? So I have a Canon M50 mirrorless. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, when you turn up the ISO a ton, it gets really grainy. Oh yeah. And it, it, you kind of lose a lot of the quality of the photo. So mirrorless cameras do a much better job at shooting in low light, and they make it a whole lot, uh, a whole lot less grainy. So you can turn it up to, you know, five, six thousand ISO. You'll you'll see it, but it won't be, you know, it won't ruin the photos like it might on a traditional DSLR. Okay, interesting. Um, and then, so that's important because you know it gets dark quick on the east coast, but inside the inside those forests. So that's a that's a very important thing. Um, and then, as far as the lens goes, it depends on if you have a crop sensor or a full frame. Let's, let's say, let's say, um, let's do both. So the M50 is a crop sensor, but I'm guessing this Nikon Z6 is a full frame, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, well, on the GYT, I shot with a, a Nikon D7000, which is also a crop sensor. Okay. 
and I used a 16 to 80 millimeter and that was honestly perfect. 16 to millimeter with a F2.8 aperture. And for the people who are listening in, what that means basically is the lens goes from pretty freaking wide to you could get a solid face shot from 10 feet away where the face would take up most of the entire frame. If you're not if you're not like super photography like knowledgeable um aperture from maybe i should probably be letting you explain this map but it's like how much light is being let into the lens so like a a wide aperture is going to let more light in it's going to have more like blur in the background as well like more depth of field and actually so i was gonna i was gonna ask you about that i kind of asked you about this a little bit on instagram the other day too but it was kind of my understanding because because my lens right now it goes down to 3.5 aperture and I, I can't really get great depth of field, honestly, for portraits. So I was under the impression that I needed something like two or even like wider than that, like 1.8 or something like that. But I was surprised to learn that you had something that wasn't quite that, uh, I don't, is it low or high? I don't even know what the right, the term is, but you said what, two, <laughs> 2.8 or whatever. So I don't know. How did you get like that, like nice depth of field and, and, and bokeh or whatever, however you pronounce it um with the aperture at that level <laughs> Honestly, i'm not even sure how to pronounce it <laughs> um yeah so it, a lot of it is you know uh positioning the subjects uh the closer that the subject is to you and the further it's in the background the more bokeh you're going to get um obviously because there's gonna be a bigger difference in focus and, and focal points um but for the most part, I just leave it the aperture pretty much as wide open as possible, okay. just so I can always try and get that bokeh. Yeah, um, and yeah, you're spot on in describing what the aperture does and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it allows more light in, which is another reason why you want a lower aperture, so that way, you know, if you're photographing on the East Coast, you know, especially up in Vermont and then the Whites and all that, um, it's it's just honestly kind of the best option for that. And, you know, they do obviously make lenses that go down to, I have a 35 millimeter prime lens that is, it's great. And it goes down to an F 1.8 and that has some very intense stuff. I use that for most of my product photography nowadays, but as far as a through hike, I like having a, uh, an adjustable zoom telephoto. Um, that's another reason why the 1680 millimeter is great because you know you have the super wide angle so you can capture you know, mountain views and stuff like that but it also has an 80 millimeter zoom which you can get in pretty tight to someone and i get i take it you have a computer in front of you yeah uh yeah if you just look up like portraits at different millimeter lengths you can see someone's picture taken at 16 millimeters their face looks totally different than someone taken at 200 millimeters so what it kind of does, you know what a fisheye lens is, correct? Yeah, yeah. Where the center of it is kind of super big, and then you can see all of this you know, information basically on the outside. So what you do when you start zooming in is you start flattening out the subjects much more, and you get a much more precise and accurate look as to what someone or something looks like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it, having a, a zoom really helps with getting solid portraits as well. Gotcha, man. That that makes a lot of sense, and I'm glad you kind of brought up the focal lengths, focal lengths there as well. Because I was um I was gonna ask you about that net, next, actually. So my I I just have the kit lens with my camera right now, and I'm actually another reason why I wanted to, or another reason why it fit to have you on is because I'm in the process of trying to decide what lens I get next, and. I feel like mine, it's it's 15 to 45 millimeter, and that's with a 1.6 crop, so it's it's a pretty wide lens, and it definitely works well for, like, the, you know, the, the landscape shots and all that stuff, and it's pretty small and lightweight, too, so I'm definitely going to continue to bring it on my hikes, but like I said earlier, it's not great for portraits. The aperture doesn't go that wide, and so I'm, like, for my next lens, I'm, I'm looking for a portrait lens, honestly, and... I'm very like uh, I'm very close to buying this Canon 50 millimeter 1.8 lens, and with the crop, I think that's going to come out to around like 80 millimeters. So my question here is, you know, I guess do you think that would be okay for on trail? Because obviously, I'm going to have to be kind of far away from my subjects to take pictures like that. And if if you had to choose like an ideal portrait. Uh, focal length for 
on trail, like obviously sometimes you're going to be in, in tighter spaces. Um, what would that focal length be? Oof, that's a hard question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it really kind of, I, I, I do like primes are prime lenses. Uh, and for people who listen from prime means it only has one uh, millimeter, like focal length. So uh, like I have a 35 millimeter prime. He's talking about having 50, 50 millimeters. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, they, they don't zoom. They're just stuck at one focal length. Yeah, so uh, the nickname for 50mm lenses are the Nifty 50. Uh, it, 50 is one of the most common and popular focal lengths. Uh, it's going to produce a fairly flat image without you, know, you having to be too incredibly far from the subject or too close to it. And so it allows... Uh, if, if 50 would be a very solid option for most cases, and especially with the crop sensor, it honestly, it, it's kind of nice having to zoom um, or being able to get a little close to the subject because uh, I, I don't know if you've had this problem with you know mountains sometimes, especially at like sunset when you're trying to photograph them. They almost always look too small mm-hmm. and they, they almost always look kind of unimpressive. But if you start zooming in, only picking off small features of mountains you get much much more interesting see that that's kind of that's kind of reassuring to hear you say that um the reason i was kind of concerned is because i thought that i I guess it's around 80 millimeters with the crop for my camera i was concerned that that would be like too zoomed to actually take like anything more than maybe just like a head shot and that's it you know and i mean like i said portraits so like i'm not trying to get like wide shots obviously but that was kind of my concern, but it sounds like you think that should still be okay for portraits. Yeah, and uh, you know if there's like a Best Buy or something in the area, is Best Buy still open? I think so. Yeah, anywhere you can go check out a camera lens. Yeah, you can go check out most places and just you know bring your camera with you, and then you can play around with the lens and store inside it. You know if that's going to be something you can realistically use, especially in tight spaces. Yeah, always uh, was it drive it before you buy it. I like it. I like it. All right. That that makes me feel good. I I've, I've been like debating about what lens I should get cuz I don't want to spend a ton of money. And actually that that Nifty 50 Canon lens is pretty damn cheap too as far as camera lenses go. Mm-hmm. It's only like 125 bucks or something like that. So Oh. I think wow. I'm going to yeah, dude, it's nice. I'm going to I'm going to pull the trigger on that. I do have to get a adapter for my camera too because the uh the Canon M series have a different mount than the Canon uh normal series EF series anyways so yeah i'm i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna do that though that'll be sweet um while we're talking about people and photography taking pictures of people on trail um you're you're like i don't know even know if i don't even know if you can call it portrait shots but just your shots of like people were like pretty damn good and honestly those those really stuck out to me on your instagram so i guess my next question like, what advice would you have for just getting better shots of people? That could be technical, like, advice as far as, like, again, like, apertures, focal lengths, things like that. But also just, like, composition, like, really any advice at all for taking pictures of people while you're on trail. Well, honestly, there's nothing more important. Like, even camera gear is less important than this. You have to make sure your models are comfortable. Or model, uh, your friends, whoever you're <laughs> hiking with is comfortable. And, um, yeah... Because, you know, you just stick a giant lens in someone's face, people get awkward really quick. And that doesn't usually end up too great for the shots. Um, so, you know, having just having two people there that you're you know, photographing, that alone takes almost all the tension off. Um, because then people can you know, just kind of do what they were normally doing. Because pose photos kind of... Uh, they're just not my style, I guess. Yeah, so I was gonna ask you that. I was I was gonna ask, you know, are your your on trail, you know, people photos are they like posed or are they just kind of candid? And it looks like they are candid, and that's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. It it really depends. Um. So when I was doing the GYT, you know, I kind of lucked out. I was hiking with a small crew of people who had done a, uh, well, they had tried to film a. Um, a documentary about hiking the CDT the year before. So they were very comfortable with the lens being stuck in their face. So I, that was my learning ground was to use them as my subjects. And that made me a much more productive photographer, not having to worry about them. But uh, this past summer I started working, I, I did a summer internship with Hyperlight Mountain Gear. 
which was awesome. And I was doing a lot of their content creation. So yes, dude, I was going to actually ask you about that in a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was learning how to stage a lot of shots to make sure that, you know, the logos out, you know, all these little things. Um, but even inside of those photo shoots, I was able, you know, still get some candid stuff, you know, people were just walking in. I always, I always let people walk in front of me. I almost never walk first. Um, I let them figure out what's going on and, you know, take the pictures of those reactions. And the other thing I do is if they're walking in front of me is, you know, just holler, you know, hey, Kyle. And they turn around and they're not posing or anything. They just, <laughs> just turn snap around and all of a sudden snap, snap, snap. And yeah, you got a couple shots of them. Because, yeah, you know, there's only so many pictures of people's butts and backpacks you can take. Before you <laughs> <laughs> so good, dude. So good. Um, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, the, the candid shots in my very, very limited experience of taking photos of other people, I would agree, especially on trail too, because I mean, obviously in like certain circumstances, like, you know, posed photos are, are fine and, and, and good, but on trail, it's like, you're never posing for anything. Yeah, like so twerk. what the hell? Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's a great example, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Heck of trash photo. Like that is, uh, I, I could never do what twerk is able to do. Um, yeah. He, he's got some really, really impressive work, very artistic, and he knows exactly what he's doing. And I'm over here going like. I don't know. I just like the way that people look sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but but again, that is a very like specific project and a specific vibe he's going for. I feel like most of the time the candid shots for on trail for through hiking, hiking, whatever are going to be better. So I don't know. Is there any other like technical advice for like getting candid shots of people like that? Maybe like I guess shutter speed is the last thing I'm kind of wondering about because we talked about the focal lengths and the uh, the apertures so like you must have to shoot at a decently fast shutter speed if people are kind of candid and like turning around and moving and that stuff yeah yeah absolutely that's another place where you know the mirrorless camera really helps out because you're able to shoot a higher iso and you know a lower aperture is going to allow you more light so you can shoot at a uh, at a much higher uh, or much faster frame rate um so that way you don't have to uh, worry about blurring your photos mm-hmm but honestly, sometimes the blur really adds a lot. You know, you have people's feet just slightly blurred as they're walking. and it, it can add a lot to, you know, an image, but you have to, there's a fine balance in between them. It, it's it's an interesting thing, but, you know, once you get out of the twilight hours in the morning and the evening, you're, it, it's not too much of an issue, but yeah. I always try and shoot over 250. Um, it's uh, one two fiftieth of a second. I try and shoot faster than that. Cool, man. I'm, I'm definitely learning a lot. This is sweet. Um, why don't we step back from some of the, like the more in-depth technical photography talk just for a second. Cause I'm sure a lot of people listening to this don't really, they don't have cameras. Like they don't really care about the ISO and all that stuff. I do, which is why we're talking about it. Cause this is my podcast people. But, um, how about <laughs> just, <laughs> how about, how about just for people who have like a smartphone, like every, like every person pretty much, um, what are some points, some advice you could give to people that are just using their phones, you know, just what they have, what's some advice you could give to them as far as like improving some of their on-trail photos and, and all that stuff? Yeah. Uh, it's honestly the easiest thing to do is just find, uh, new angles, you know, don't stick your camera out in front of your face and just take a picture like that every time. You know, you know, get low, get, you know, in the trail almost and have pictures of people either walking towards you, away from you. You know, you don't just want pictures and videos of people's butts, like quite literally. <laughs> so, you know, get in front of people and take photos of them walking towards you. Um, and, you know, even kind of hop into the leaves or into the foliage, into the bushes a little bit. So you get some of that in between you and the person. So you can get a even better depth of field. Um, yeah, those would be the big things. And it, the cameras and smartphones are improving leaps and bounds compared to, you know, the year before. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the same tactics that, you know, a DSLR photographer or, you know, a mirrorless photographer would use are going to be applied to uh, the smartphones as well. Um, and then, yeah, as same things, you know, zooming in is going to make a flatter image for the most part. Uh, only up to a certain extent, because most smartphones, when you zoom in, all you're doing is zooming in on the picture and not actually using a zoom lens. Yeah. Um, 
So that's not going to help you with really flattening out too much, but it just, the tighter you can get on your subject, the better usually. I, I think that's, that's definitely some, some solid advice. Like don't just stick your, if, if you care, I guess, if you even care about taking better pictures, like don't just, <laughs> uh, you know, hold your phone right where you're standing and take the picture, you know, just take a second, mm-hmm. take five seconds, whatever it is, and try to find that creative angle, experiment a little bit. I can say, though I'm not as good as I would like to be, I'm not as good as many, many people, even just from one summer of really like putting as much as I can into taking photos and or taking better photos with this, with this new camera. I feel like I have improved a decent amount. I have taken some like pretty decent photos and I don't know. It's, it's fun too. Like even, you don't even need a a DSLR or a mirrorless camera, even just with your smartphone, like Matt just said a second ago, like most of those cameras are so freaking good these days. It is fun. Like I, I would encourage people, especially if you're maybe like on a through hike at the moment or just an experienced hiker who's feeling a little bit burnt out. Maybe you're just a little bit like in the routine, a little bit bored with hiking. It gives you more of a purpose. Exactly, dude. It, it just gives you like something else to do like while you're on trail too. So I don't know. It, it's it's a lot of yeah, fun. My last piece and, of advice is never don't take a picture because I've taken conservatively 250,000 pictures in my lifetime and, you know, 248,000 were just a hot pile of garbage. So, you know, you, you might get out of, a, say, 100 pictures, five of them might be good. And guess what? That is damn good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get five good pictures out of 100, that's not bad. You know, we're living in the day, days of you know digital. You just delete it if you don't like it. Um, so you'd never have a reason to not take a picture. And as a hiker, yeah, as a hiker, you need to make sure that, you know, you, you always have your camera out if you're serious about it. Yeah, man. No matter what, pretty much. I got, I end up, I end up buying an umbrella because I, I I noticed that you have a peak design V3 clip. Dude, I was, I was just going to go there. I was just about to ask you how you carry your camera. So that's perfect. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly what I use too. And it completely changed the game on how I shoot. Um, Because I always have my camera on my chest. It takes a second to pop it off. And yeah, and I end up, you know, getting a, uh, an umbrella, just one of the ultralight ones. And <laughs> so that way I can still shoot, even though I'm like, it's raining. Cause it used to be, if it was raining, my camera's away for the entire day, but now I can leave it out for, you know, at least most of the day and, you know, get the shots of people who, you know, might be having a bad day, but those are the interesting pictures and the pictures that they're going to want in the future. For sure. For sure. As far as that peak design clip goes, the reason I got it is because like, Tons of good recommendations from people, tons of good reviews online. I will say, though, with my M50, it hasn't worked. And the reason it hasn't worked is because it's it's literally cracked the bottom of my camera twice now. Um, I, I had to get it fixed one time, and I, I thought maybe I just like hadn't tightened it enough or something. I thought it was just a fluke, so I got it fixed, and I brought it out again uh, just last weekend, and it cracked it again, so... Um, I, I think the I think it's interesting. It, it works really well if you don't have a weak like camera bottom, basically. But the M50, I mean, the whole reason I got it honestly is because it's like super light and pretty small. And a consequence of that yeah, is count that those it's grams. yeah, dude, exactly. A consequence of that is that it's plastic. So, I mean, I, I guess the just like the kind of bouncing up and down, you know, after whatever x amount of miles like just kind of is wearing on that plastic base so just beware of that if you um if you if you have a like i i guess i can only speak for the canon m series but i was actually talking to or emailing peak about it and i will say customer service there was awesome they even reimbursed me for the camera repair cost which was fantastic Whoa. but i will say awesome. i don't think that the any sort of plastic body camera is compatible with that clip which sucks because it's sick and it's so convenient but i'm gonna have to figure something else out for for carrying my camera anyways um yeah so let's see here dude we're already running out of time i have so much left here um i was (laughs) i was browsing your website and i saw you made a couple comments on your website about not or i'm trying to phrase this right like mi- minimal editing, I guess, of your photos and, and not trying to use mm-hmm. Photoshop. Um, now I'm, I'm 
willing to bet that you're not just taking the raw files and just uploading them as as they are. So I'm sure you're doing some editing. You are 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about like what you meant by that on the website and maybe talk about like the extent that you do edit and all that stuff? Yeah, that's uh. so honestly, I have not updated my website in about a year. So <laughs> uh, I need to go back and revisit that because some of my editing practices have, you know, updated. Um, but at the end of the day, the only reason that I edit photos is to get it to exactly how I remember it was like the scene was when I took the photo. Because very rarely does the photo turn out exactly how it actually looked. Yeah. Definitely. And that's my entire goal with you know my photography is to bring those moments to people who weren't there and you know to connect people to places they've never been to before. And if it's a picture and you know the contrast is totally blown out and it you know and it's colorful as all hell and you know that just that feels a little bit like a lie to me. Even though you know it might be a bit prettier, it might be uh, why is a why is a loaded term but it, it feels it feels a little less i don't know it, it's just not my style i guess is the yeah. best way to put it um but so yeah i've i use you know photoshop i use a uh, lightroom actually uh and i pretty much just play with a couple of the slides to try and get it to look a bit closer to how i at least remember it looking mm-hmm. so at the end of the day it's still subjective but the goal is to mimic reality. That's 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 cool, and yeah, I, I think you explained that pretty well. Um, I don't know. I feel like, and like you just said, like yeah, it comes down to like preference and it's it's subjective. I've I've been like kind of dabbling in like raw editing over the past like couple months now. Um, I didn't I didn't start mm-hmm. doing it right when I got my camera, and I will say anybody, if you are gonna actually like spend money on a camera like this. If you're just using your phone, I probably wouldn't worry about it. But if you're actually going to spend money on a camera, you're you might as well like shoot in RAW and like develop your RAWs on your computer. Um, actually, I guess we're talking about RAWs here. Why don't you just briefly explain too, like what a RAW photo is? Because honestly, I didn't even know what a RAW photo was until I got my camera. So I'm I'm guessing a lot of people don't know like what that means. <laughs> yeah. So RAW is a uh, it's a I guess it's a format. Um, that you can use to shoot on. So I'm sure pretty much everyone's heard the term JPEG. And that is, you know, without a doubt, the most popular um, photograph format. Um, yeah. But the thing is, it's automatically going to be a bit processed. And the whole goal with RAW is to make it as unbelievably unprocessed as possible. I believe, like, the technical term is a digital negative. So if you're shooting a film camera what you shoot with and you get that little piece of film, that negative, it's basically the digital version of that, the completely untainted, unedited, unprocessed version of what you saw. So that's another reason why, you know, it kind of adds back into the whole editing style where I want it as little process as possible, or not, not necessarily little process as possible, as close to reality as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's what I guess raw kind of does in a way. Yeah. And it's, it's cool because I, I, like I said, I never knew anything about raw photos until just a couple months ago. And lately, pretty much all my photos that I've been posting on Instagram have been processed, you know, manually. Definitely takes a lot more time, but it is cool to see like how much you can take out, like how much detail you can get out of a photo that you don't really see on the surface. Like when you just look at the JPEG. So a lot of cameras, a lot of cameras have the ability to shoot the raw file and the JPEG file. Like the, so, when you take one image, it saves the JPEG and it saves the raw. And I, I have that setting left on my camera because I like to kind of compare like the JPEG, the camera generated JPEG, with like my final edited version. And I don't know anybody listening again. If you have an actual camera and you're taking photos on trail or just any photos at all for that matter. Like definitely try to shoot in raw, and then I will say if you don't want to spend money on the Adobe software, um, I I've not used Lightroom yet, so I'm sure it's better. Like you pay for a reason. Like all professionals pretty much use it for a reason. But if you don't want to like take that leap yet, look into maybe software called Darktable, which is what I've been using a little bit. It's basically just like a free not as good but still decent version of of lightroom and you can still make all the same adjustments it's just a little bit clunkier but it's open source it's free so yeah have you have by chance have you ever used Darktable before 
I have not. I have not. Uh, I was going to say, like, pretty much everything that you're going to find, even for free, is going to be a serious competitor for what Adobe can offer. Um, the reason why I uh, especially use Adobe is because I'm a student, and the University of Georgia has free access to all Adobe programs. So that is a huge game changer for me. Yeah. And probably one of the main reasons why I'm trying to stay in school. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, otherwise I'd be on the CDT or something, but... Yeah, I, I I'm itching here with the uh, with the through hiking bug. I need to get back out there and have some fun again. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. We're gonna get into that in just a second. The last question I want to ask you before we get into a story here is, um, I just want to hear about this internship with Hyperlate Mountain Gear. So I I've never used any of their products before, but obviously I know about them. I know that a lot of people love their shit. I know they're they're very reputable. They have a great reputation among hikers, and I saw honestly. I saw a lot of their packs on my through hike last year. Like there's a lot of people repping, repping hyper, repping hyper light mountain gear. Yeah. Um, how did you like get that internship and just like, what did you do? Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, well, I was traveling around the van and I met some guys who I was telling you about who were trying to film a documentary about the CDT and they had a bit of a sponsorship from, uh, hyper light mountain gear. And so I met them. Then we ended up hiking the GYT together and one of the guys that I was actually doing the documentary uh, was at the time working at Hyperlight. So he was able to send me a pack and get me at, ready for the GYT, which was awesome. And, you know, they sent me a pack. So I sent them pretty much every photo that I took of their gear um, afterwards. And they loved it and they thought it was great. And then, you know, kind of I didn't really hear much from them after that. And, you know, everyone's busy and I was back in school. And then, you know, it came uh, like... January, I was like, you know, it'd be really cool to go take pictures for Hyperlight Mountain Gear because I already had a little bit of an in. And uh, actually, one of my guys, the guys I hiked with uh, from Pennsylvania North on the AT, he ended up getting hired in the customer service. So he was also working there. So I flew up to Portland to go see him last January. And at the same time, I was trying to interview for an internship in a totally unrelated division of hyperlight that was totally not a fit for me at <laughs> all but i decided you know i might as well go up there and try and see what i can do anyways yeah why not and when i was up there i got to meet the marketing team yeah i got to meet the marketing team up there and you know uh i handed them my resume in person and that was a huge thing and after that i just kind of kept pestering them a little bit <laughs> um until they uh yeah i finally was able to get in there and yeah i was just persistent and able to get that which was a huge door opener to me because I ended up meeting the team at trail days because they, the marketing team and some of the people came down for trail days and I did a bunch of photographs for them. Then we went on a content shoot afterwards because this is right when Hyperlight was uh, going to release the junction a little bit before that, like they, one of their newer packs. So we did you know a whole photo shoot in the Grayson Highlands. And I was like, Oh, so this is what I wanted to in the future. Get yeah, paid to go on photo shoots in beautiful places. Yeah, and so I uh, I kind of started running with it, and um, they got me to help with their Instagram account, and you know, do just kind of like general social media planning and do a lot of content production. And I had a very fulfilling summer with them. It was a truly eye-opening and remarkable experience that I'm unbelievably thankful for. Everyone there treated me with it, it was it was just a great experience. Yeah, dude, that's that sounds so awesome. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's that's like. That's like a hiking photographer's like dream right there. I feel like is to be able to you know work with a a, a great company with great products and and like be able to do mm-hmm. that. Like that's that's freaking sweet. And I I had to ask about that because when I saw that on your Instagram and your website and stuff, it's like that's that's pretty unique. That's pretty cool. So one of the things that I'm always like one of the things that I'm working on. Yeah, one of the things I'm always like thinking about when it comes to backpacking. But as a person in general, when I get into something, it's absolutely all or nothing and backpacking is pretty much ex- my exclusive thing right now um and has been for the last two years more or less and um my whole goal of it is to see pretty much every side of backpacking possible so you know i have the weekend vibes i have you know the through hiking achievements i've had um you know pioneering a new trail 
I worked at a hostel um, one spring, uh, twenty eighteen. <laughs> We're gonna have to do another episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that right now, dude, because there's there's so much here. Like this, I could I could have an entire episode just asking you questions about that last sentence, dude. Oh, <laughs> uh, that 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 was an interesting time. Because uh, did you go northbound or southbound? I went uh, northbound. Gotcha. So did you go through top of Georgia? Did you stay there? I actually I didn't. I went I went into Hiawassee, but I didn't stay at the hostel. No. Yeah, so I was I stayed or I was working at Top of Georgia, which was a, a pretty eye-opening and very interesting time, and I'm thankful for my time there as well. But I can tell you that hostel life is not the life for me. <laughs> and I, I know I know you're talking to Philip, and Philip clearly had a different experience up at the Notch, but he loves that place. But um, I've uh, I don't know. Hostel life isn't quite the life for me. I think I like the photography life a little bit better. Yeah, dude, I feel like that'd be a little bit more fun. That's um. That's so awesome what you just said, like how you're trying to experience like all the different sides of it, uh, of backpacking, I guess that is. Yeah, I want to get into trail maintenance and, you know, doing pretty much everything that could possibly be associated with backpacking. I want to get into all of it. Yeah, that's just such a unique perspective. I've never heard anybody say that after 45 or 46, 46 episodes. So that's really cool. Um, That being said... (laughs) I, yeah, dude, we're gonna have to do another episode. That being said, we're we're gonna get into a story now. I, I think I, I think I reminded you to to have a story on cue, right? I've been talking to like a couple mm-hmm. of potential guests the last like couple days. I think I reminded you, right? Do you, do you have a story to share? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. So this story takes place uh, at the end of the Greater Yellowstone Traverse. Uh, so. A quick recap on the Greater Yellowstone Traverse. Uh, some friends of mine decided to create a trail that traversed the entire Greater Yellowstone ecosystem from the Beartooth Mountains up in the north all the way through the Winter River Range uh, further south into Wyoming. And so the last part of it is the Wind River Range, which when you enter it is the north winds. We use the Wind River High Route as like the last section. And that is the most glaciated area of the entire continent of the United States. So... I'm from Georgia. <laughs> I have minimal experience with snow, let alone glaciers. <laughs> so that was a very, very interesting experience for me. But there was one day in particular where we entered um, through Green River Lakes where the CDT goes through. And then we broke off and started going up the high route. And uh, there was this one pass in particular. I can't remember what it's called now for the life of me. But there was a... Um, there's a huge glissade off of it, which um, for the uninitiated, that's basically where you just slide on your butt down a huge snow field. And it's <laughs> basically like nature's slide. It's that's awesome. a very fancy word for butt sliding, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Gl- yeah. Glissade. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think it's French or something. Um, but so I, uh, I was the first one to get out in the snow field and it's like probably I don't know, 50 degree angle going down. And it's a huge drop. We're looking at it and it's bigger than anything like I've ever done. It's bigger than anything that like, those guys had ever done. You know, they're, they've triple crown and some of them have been in like Nepal and stuff. And they were like, yeah, this is big. So we ended up sending it, but I sent it first for whatever reason, even though I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> yeah, we have ice axes and we're like self arresting and sliding all the way down knife point glacier pretty much. And we get to the bottom of it, and I was like, "What?" That's just I was like, I was alive, like I've never been before. And, you know, one by one, they all start coming down, and we're taking videos, laughing, having a great time. And you know, we're at like twelve thousand feet in elevation, covered in snow, freezing cold, but like, who cares? And finally, my buddy. Oh, uh, all right. So you're about to hear one of my favorite trail names ever. <laughs> His name is Cockblock Moses. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's, he used to walk. He used to hike in sandals with one trekking pole, so it was a little bit like Moses. And some dude called him the Cockblock one day, and then, you know, now we have Cockblock Moses. So we just call him <laughs> Moses, though, or Cockblock, depending on how we're feeling. <laughs> Anyways, so he had he was originally attempting a Sobo CDT hike, and then just ended up ended up getting off of it after the Bob Marshalls um, because it was pretty bad going through there apparently, and he had these shorts that were probably already short but then he took scissors to them and made them really short you know classic (laughs) pct style and so they're like there's like an inch hanging on and he goes down this 800 foot glissade and you know he makes all the way to the bottom he's a-okay 
but what you don't feel is the fact that you know your butt goes totally numb after sitting in ice for it, it's it was like a minute to get down this entire thing so you know after the first 20 seconds your butt's totally numb <laughs> well his shorts had written up so he stands up and there's like 50 feet of blood Oh, <laughs> streaks in the snow. Holy shit. <laughs> and we were like, oh no. <laughs> and we're, we're in the middle of nowhere. And this poor kid has got <laughs> some scrapes on his ass. Damn, dude. And it was so bad. It was like, honestly, one of the funnier things I've ever seen. But he was an absolute champ. Like, we had, he ended up finishing off the entire Wind River High Route, which is, you know, he had probably another 75 miles at that point of some of the hardest hiking, you know, out there. Mm-hmm. And I never heard him complain once. I was like, you Damn, are dude. a badass. <laughs> a badass without an ass. Yeah, Jesus Christ. That's, that's <laughs> fucking funny. Yeah. I never know what I'm going to get with these, with these trail stories, dude. Sometimes I get, like, <laughs> inspirational shit. Sometimes I get, like, just kind of bad <laughs> shit. Sometimes I get just like gross, funny shit like that. Like that's <laughs> that's so good. That's so uh, good. Uh, yeah, in Cockblock Moses. Yeah, yeah, he's one of my favorite people I've ever met. Yeah, dude, Cockblock uh, so Moses. Is, is, I, I knew I had to share that story about him about Cockblock Moses. There was no other option. That's one of my favorite trail stories ever. Shout out to Cockblock Moses. <laughs> um, yep, <laughs> dude. I feel like my listeners are going to hate me for not asking you any questions about this uh, greater Yellowstone traverse or whatever it is. So that's why we're going to we're going to do another one soon, everybody, because I definitely want to hear about that. But we're going to wrap it up here. Matt has to go study. I have to go finish editing um, when you hear this last week's episode. But right now it's this upcoming week's episode. Yeah. Um, little time travel there. So, yeah, dude, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Where can people go to check out your photography and follow you yeah so i post uh pretty much exclusively to instagram uh, and then i'm i'm trying to get my blog up and going again i gotta start practicing writing some more now that i'm back in you know journalism school so i'm gonna be updating that a bunch more and i'm uh, also contributing to hyperlights um blog as well so nice. just kind of be on the lookout there yeah they just restructured their blog so i'm trying to get some more pieces in there uh just trying to get my name out as much as possible but yeah, no, thanks so much for having me on, man. Yeah, man. So I, I don't think you, I think you forgot to say the handles there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my Instagram is, uh, yeah, that's a very important thing. Uh, where the hell is Matt? Yeah. Uh, it's a, a kind of, yeah, I, I love that thing. Someone asked me one day, like, where the hell are you? I'm like, I don't really know. <laughs> And the next day, that was my Instagram handle, so it worked out well. That's a great. That's a great handle, dude. That's a great handle. Um, everybody, go follow him. Uh, do you want to plug your website too? Uh, it's actually it's linked in my Instagram. Uh, but oh, oh in even case better. If someone dude. just wants to look it up. Get get two birds stoned at once. It's perfect. <laughs> okay, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> All the Trailer Park Boys fans will get that one. <laughs> that's good. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Thanks so much, and to everybody listening, have a good one. Mm-hmm.